Well, welcome once again to Legacy Leadership Alliance. I am Bishop Sean Cooper, and I tell you it's a joy to share with you here on Legacy Leadership Alliance. Legacy Leadership Alliance is a podcast dedicated to emerging generations and thought leaders for legacy transference in the marketplace, educational systems, and religious institutions. Legacy Leadership Alliance four points of light are mentorship, PK Alliance, and pastoral infrastructure. Well, blessings. Once again, I'm very, very excited to share with you as leaders here on Legacy Leadership Alliance. Listen, I have an incredible treat. I have a remarkable man that I'm going to be talking to concerning leadership. And of course, he's my father in the gospel in whom I love and respect dearly. And that's none other than Bishop Robert Hooks. He's going to talk to us about this thing, this thing called leadership. And we're going to be dealing with the topic of leading in the trenches. Uh, Bishop Robert Hooks is the founder and senior pastor of Restoration Ministry located in the heart of Central Valley, Visalia, California. Um, He's a husband. He's a father. He's a theologian. He has his doctorate in theology from Fountain of Life Bible College. He's traveled the world preaching the gospel for over 45 years. He's a man that is practical, but yet revelatory. Many of us called Bishop Hooks Hitman Hooks because of the pointedness and the effectiveness of preaching the gospel in such a relevant manner, such a pinpoint accurate way with information and revelation. I'm telling you, he is extraordinary. And you are going to be blessed, I promise you. Of course, Bishop Hooks has been in my wife and I's life ever since we were 18 years old, and now I'm (laughs) 50-something. The river runs deep. He's a church planner, a music producer, and moves heavily in the prophetic. If you have any anyone that's in ministry leadership of any type of position, they need to hear this interview as I talk to Bishop Robert Hooks. I'm going to attempt to get at least three sessions out of Bishop Robert Hooks. Well, let's go into the interview. Welcome once again to Legacy Leadership Alliance. Man, I am so excited about the broadcast. Um, Of course, as I announced in the intro, I have my father in the gospel, Bishop Robert Hooks. Bishop, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, son. Doing well. Well, honored to to be a part of the broadcast on the day. Absolutely honored. Feel very privileged. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to just share and and follow your lead with what God is doing with you and how He's using you. Well, you know, I want to say I'm so excited because. for a minute, I wanted to get you on, um, and I just want to talk to you because you carry such a body of experience and information, and it's it's no doubt we, we're in a very um, difficult transitional time um, in our nation, within the church, the transitions within the church, and so much going on, and um, I'm, I'm glad because I'm able to take a moment and talk to you about this ministry piece and, um, you know, how does 
how do we navigate uh, what are the biblical tools that we need to utilize to be on point in the kingdom? And of course, you know, these are most of the people that's listening are leaders. I want to talk about the topic of leading in the trenches and how do we lead in the trenches? Because I believe that we are in a, a very challenging time and there needs to be some wisdom to speak to the obstacles that's going on. And I guess the first question that I want to ask you is a lot of leaders, you know, um, have struggled with leadership fatigue. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what, what are the dynamics or biblical strategies do we need to deal with um, or have as a result of dealing with leadership fatigue? Wow. That, that's huge in itself um, because it immediately takes me to the, the one that gave us such a unique guarantee of what happens when we're fatigued and we are aligned with biblical, of course, principle and design. And, you know, Jesus prayed. His sweat was like great drops of blood. I mean, he prayed, right? Um, and there's two things. Let me, if I can just start here first, when it speaks of the word trench, since that's, that's what's on your heart. I just want to give somewhat of a definition first, a long cut in the ground, a ditch. Yeah. One used for military defense, often with, with, the, uh, with the dirt thrown up in front. Um, it's excavated and it's thrown up, it's placed, positioned. It's not accidental, it's on purpose. So those that are digging, they're digging to defend those that are in the trench in itself. As a matter of fact, um, it is used, as we know, um, in the military as a way of protection and to get from one place to the other place without either being recognized or without being harmed. It's a level at which an activity is carried on in a manner linked or likened to trench warfare. Uh, it's a narrow, it's useful, steep-sided depression in the ground. Or, and it's really important that we understand that it can be it can be somewhat of a long trench. We can walk through stuff for long periods of time, and uh, we can't do that being a citizen. We have to really understand that we were born to be enlisted. Yeah. And in order to comprehend that, we have many examples biblically about, first of all, how to get in the trench, um, the value of the trench, and uh, then, of course, its location, its placement, where it is, what what is the, the, the portion that God has given to every individual ministry and minister and to be faithful when it comes to, look, we're we going to have to, we go have to do some more here. Now there are those that it's more comfortable for them to fight a battle than it is to fight a war. And so they have only the camps and things that they're doing and they don't see the full body of Christ in a real war, right? Our battle is to be in the war. We're not trying to fight to get out of it. And there's so many that spend much, much time in the ministry to get out of it. And uh, that's not how it works. We're fighting to be in this war because we know we win. It's all victory for us. But we have to be able to define that. Um, The second thing which is interesting to me is Jesus, who is obviously the pattern 
sitter. He's the one that shows us how to deal with fatigue. Um, how do you pray the way he prays to experience fatigue? I mean, he's praying to experience fatigue. He's praying according to scripture and his, and his sweat was like great drops of blood. He was drenched and he was exhausted. But everything is an opportunity for the divine. Everything is an opportunity for the divine. Mm. He asked the, the disciples, pray with me. Give me an hour of your time. And of course, they sleep. Their eyes are very heavy. He didn't condemn them. He just went back and prayed. He didn't let them frustrate him from praying. And oftentimes, we get frustrated when we don't get the help we feel we need and et cetera. But he refused to do that. He just went and woke them up and said, hey, listen, give me an hour, man. Come on. You know, right. they went to sleep. They probably started off, oh, yes, Lord, you know, but they ended up going <laughs> yeah. back to sleep. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't distract him. And I love his life because his life is so undistracted. He has this peace that is undisturbed. He goes right. back to pray again. And he prayed until, like I said, his, his sweat was like great drops of blood, where the blood, uh, you know, it looked like blood that came from his from his body. Um, but then what was interesting is that the Bible says that the angels came and ministered to him. Everything is for a divine moment. If we take ourselves out of these divine moments and encounter encounters with God when we're feeling fatigued, then we'll just be fatigued. I know that sounds almost cold and I don't mean for it to, but we must look for heaven to respond to what we're doing here on earth. We must have some kind of expectation from God to us because he's not relying on our strength anyway. He really isn't. Right. And okay, guys, do your best, all right? And I've come back. No, he's he's not relying on us to get this done without him. So I think one of the number one, if I can say it like this, one of the number one things that should be valuable and important to all of us as ministers is respecting what heaven will do for anybody that's weary and that's tired. And there's no replacement for what God will do. We must always anticipate God. I had someone tell me one time because they were believing God every month for a certain amount of money and on and on and on. And they just got tired every month. It just seemed like you barely make it. And they were so frustrated with you know, having to believe God. And I thought to myself, did you even hear what you said? that you have to believe God. Right, right. You, you, like, do you understand the royalty that you have to believe God in all royalty? I don't care who it is. Wherever there's royalty, there also has to be tradition. And so when God is cutting out a tradition for the body of Christ, because we're all called into royalty, what an amazing statement. I have to believe God. Well, he's going to let you go through that until you want to believe him. You know, you know let something knock the wound out of you. Because uh, it's always easier in my, in my years of ministry. It's always easier to say, okay, God, here it is. You know, I, I didn't call myself. I'm not self-facilitated. I didn't call me. You called me. And I rely upon you. So, I mean... We can start there. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, just to, uh, to piggyback on some of the points that you made, and, and you're dropping jewels and nuggets because your definition of the trenches is, is profound. But also, 
I hear what you're saying is that remember who you have been enlisted. In other words, it's, it's you're in the kingdom. You're fighting for the cause of the kingdom. Yes, sir. And um, so the, the, the sense that there is such a value of that our king will call us, first of all, yeah. into this army, into this warfare. Yes, sir. Uh, and although there's decision fatigue, emotional wear and tear, um, and sometimes if we're not careful, the emotional, being emotional unhealthy, if, if I can say that, because of the warfare, things that we see, and then um, feeling almost disjointed from a yeah. rhythm, you know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. We, we, we think about the coronavirus, it really threw off our rhythms. Yes, sir. Um, but I hear what you, I hear you saying that regardless of how difficult it may be and the decision fatigue, and it's like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, even though it's difficult and the disciple fell to sleep, the Lord said, can you, can you stay, uh, can you stay up with me for, for an hour? Yep. And then what, what happened was, of course, an angel came and ministered to Jesus. So it doesn't matter uh, how tired we may be, the wear and tear, the grace of God is there. And yeah. also, I hear you saying the gratitude, right? There's yes, sir. Such a, a battle for the king. Uh, we have to embrace the, the sense of uh, even the joy in the journey and not just, uh, just focus on the uh, emotional fatigue. Am, yes. I, am I nailing it? Because, you know, you're so articulate, I'm trying to... Make sure. Absolutely. I, well, you know, the life of Jesus, I mean, just the thought that God would be humble. I mean, that's who he is. I mean, not just was, but and would be. That's who he is. He's a very humble, humble God to put up with our conduct and attitude. I mean, he gives us himself. He didn't just deck us with things and give us a bunch of gifts. And, you know, that's it. And that's one reason why it, it, it disturbs me when when someone to join the church and they, they you know, they, they want somewhere to place their gifts and their talents and their skill. And God is going, wait, wait, hold off. You don't understand the journey that's ahead of you. I mean, if you want to meet with me, if you want me, then you're going to have to walk this mountain. You're going to have to be able to walk. And some people are really tender footed. They lack what is called a um, emotional intelligence. They're very yeah. tender, tender footed. And so they go to walk up the mountain and they feel the pain in their feet. And then they stop and they don't understand the importance of growing callous on their feet and not their heart. Because if you're going to meet God in the mountain, that journey is a really amazing journey, number one. Because on every turn, you're walking on a ground you never walked on before. And there's a need for you to walk. It. Nobody can walk that for you. I, I mean, I there are people I would love to be able to, to just go ahead and intervene and lift everything off them and on and on and on. I, I feel deep emotion for where they are. Then I have to respect the call of God on them to walk through this thing because we. I think one of the issues that we're having to deal with is there's, that there's this sense of wanting to save people from the journey that is ordained for them to walk. I mean, God is going to meet them. God is going to provide. And the wisdom that we can give them and the experience all of that's fine. That's not a problem. But I do think sometimes we interfere with something that God is calling out of people just because we see their strain. 
then it moves from strain to distress. And distress can be a very, very extremely difficult thing to deal with because if a person is not careful, that'll turn into pride. And they'll boast about everything they've gone through and who did this. And so the distress becomes this license or even a coupon, you know, to wave at people and say, I get a free pass. And God is going, no, 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 I didn't spare my son. I didn't spare him. I didn't spare him. I gave him freely to everybody. I didn't spare him. His life as a believer belongs to us. His life as a believer belongs to us. He has set the pattern and the goal. I mean, everything that we have today in terms of salvation, we're seeing it through a God that has given and given and given so humble to see us in our condition and um, didn't despise us, didn't hate us. He despised the shame, but he didn't despise us. He's not even embarrassed of us. You're I mean, like, are you kidding me? The junk that we don't, it's like, right. really? I mean, and he's going like, no, that's still my boy. He's tore up, but I know how to fix him. I, because when he made man, remember when he put his hand in the dirt, he knew what he was putting his hand in. He knew exactly what he blew in. He knew it was frail. He understood clearly the making of men. And so whatever the soul consists of, although we like to think of it, and it's, there's a truth to it, the mind, will, and the emotions, I get that. But whatever it consists of in total detail, no one knows that detail except for the one that created us. And so the thought that he's so humble that he would come to us and give us his humble life. And if you really think about it, the real opposition is not just an enemy because the enemy is defeated. There's, he knows he can't win. That's why he's screaming and acting the fool and throwing everything that he can because he knows he cannot yeah. win. So every, every single trace of the life of Jesus that appears in us during these moments brings great fear to him. Great fear. Yeah. From, because it follows the pattern of this humble lamb, right? That yeah. was in the garden. I mean, he's God in the garden. He's ready to lay his life down. He's fatigued. He's tired. He's abandoned. He's ignored. He is alone. But in that state, something happened so glorious. The Bible said then, then he was strengthened. He was yeah. strengthened. <laughs> it's like, what? He was strengthened. Strength came to him, which I love it. Strength comes to him. And the Bible says, then he goes back and tells them, it's okay. He doesn't lecture them. He don't beat them down. He don't call them on language. Oh, lazy stuff. After everything I've done, I didn't cook for you. You don't provide patience. Right, right, right. I didn't put an anointing on you. You went from city to city and people were healed and you came in stepping out. He didn't go give them a guilt trip. Now it's time for him to die for them. This well, me, it's like, I mean, me, this is real. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me ask you this then, because you said something I think is, is, um, is a challenge to us. And you said about tender feet was the term. Yes, sir. And if we look at it from a theological standpoint, um, do you believe like um, God is allowing some of this pressure and also fatigue? But, you know. Yes, sir. Well, friend, I pray that you've been enjoying Legacy Leadership Alliance podcast. I wanted to take a moment and chime in to see if you would partner with Legacy Leadership Alliance. And you say, how can I do that, Bishop Cooper? How can I partner with Legacy Leadership Alliance? Well, first of all, if you can take the link and copy and send it to your Twitter feed, Facebook, you can even copy the link and email it to leaders 
we all need to be inspired on this leadership journey. The second, please subscribe and leave a review. That would be helpful. Well, let's go back into the podcast. Be blessed. Um, that we've lost over the years. Yes. And, you know, Scripture says in Luke 9 and 23, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. Um, and the reason why I'm asking this, because I have thought about this myself, the way that we grew up, uh, you and I, and of course, you know, you taught me and uh, put the principles in me and as well as Teresa, and of course, Bishop Filkey and others had laid some of the foundation and our theological biblical belief was that when we pick up the cross, mm. you know, from metaphorically, I mean, you know, yes, sir. They take up the cross mm-hmm. um, that not only was it, we understood that it was going to be a death like experience mm-hmm. death to our soul and death to our, our flesh. That is our, mm-hmm. our will and that we would take up the cross and follow him mm-hmm. in that whole thought paradigm pattern was the giving up of ourselves to please God, which also came suffering, uh, rejection, and it was a worthy pursuit, right? Yes, Gospel and things of that nature. So, Pain, um, opposition, struggle was a part of that equation. Um, so we we couldn't just be tender feet. You know what I mean? We right, right. There there was something. Now we have great ministers now that are younger and and love God like like you know we love God. But do you believe that that is something that uh, pastors and bishops and fathers and mothers uh, did not lay the, uh, a, a strong enough foundation in some of the up and coming leaders. And as a result of that, um, they're breaking under the pressure, you know, do you believe that, that that is part of, you know, some of the challenge here? Absolutely. I think, um, much of what is happening is revealing to us where we've, where we have not been healthy in. I mean, there's been, you know, we've danced on it, shouted on it. We've, you know, we've got the the smoke and the mirrors. We, I mean, we got all. Of, I have no problem with the lights and whatever fog machines, whatever. But that doesn't take the place of true encounter. Yeah. Um, and I think we're so busy trying to get people to encounter our atmosphere in the church and and to encounter our songs and our sermons and on and on and on and and all of that has its place but it's all going to lead up to this very point that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is God wants to help us be, to be really um, clear about what our responsibility is in the earth as his people. And what I'm finding, and I'm, I'm just speaking my own experience. What I'm finding is oftentimes the things that we, that we think is really restricting us, is actually the very thing that God is using to help us know a greater detail of liberty. This generation, in my experience, have seen so little miracles and so little of the miraculous um, as, as uh, opposed to 
when I was coming up. I mean, I saw blind eyes. It was like right. you know, almost every service, deaf ears and people being healed, back breaks took an off. We didn't have to go to big conferences and big meetings. That's just the way the ministry was. You came in sick, you walked out healed, wheelchairs that were just, you know, people coming out of wheelchairs, you know, walking, walking without their wheelchairs, pushing their wheelchairs to the car in the parking lot, closing it and putting it up in the trunk. And there's a reason for these miracles. There's a reason for the miraculous. There, there's a trouble that is necessary for the miraculous. There's a sickness. There are diseases that is necessary. It's like the backdrop for God to give us signs and wonders. And so we've tried to get away from that. I, I'm not saying everyone, but yeah, I think that's that's it goes back to uh, the question and and the point that you're making is um, and the whole essence of this tender feet dynamic, you know, um, losing some of the substance through time. Yes, sir. And, you know, what what do you think? Why? Why? What? You know, what specific things that you could point to um, that suggest that, you know, we've lost some some substance here. And as a result, we don't see the miracles and things that you saw when you were growing up. What might that those things be? Is it lack of prayer? Is it lack of focus? What what could you point to that suggests, okay, here it is. The problem. Well, some of it has been a grooming and a molestation of the heart and the mind with just religion in and of itself. And in many ways, and I'm speaking of within the Pentecostal charismatic fundamentalist wow. type of, of uh, beliefs, um, we have picked and cho chose many things. Um, you know, you know, Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm telling you, you, you don't have life. I mean, you have to consume everything that I am. You don't pick and choose um, what you like about Jesus and wear that or consume that. And so there has been a great deal of theological effort to help people pick and choose. And there are those that have chosen to walk away from the trouble that they were born in. Now, remember, we are a people of great solution. We're a people of great wisdom and direction because it's not us alone. It's not like God is relying on us alone. He's the one that funnels that, gives that, gives us that grace, releases them, and et cetera, because there's a power of the gospel that he is wanting people to experience. And that's why Paul said, I didn't come to you with a bunch of words and right. philosophies to entice you. It was power, it was demonstration. And so um, it, it's like there is this wrestling to get away from wrestling. There's this trouble to get away from trouble. Like we don't understand what we were born to some degree to be in and to be involved with. So there's a victory that belongs to us that we don't, and of course we're born into victory. You don't have to beg and plead for it. We're born into victory, period. We're born into victory. We have yeah. the Christ. Because that's life. Um, and so, but things that fears, we talked about emotions not too long ago and what have you. And um, there's things that we're afraid of that brings fear on us and brings stress on us. And that should not be bringing the levels of stress that we're experiencing. But when our eyes are not fixed on him, then we have to deal with some of this stuff. And it can be 
heart-wrenching, just absolutely devastating and disturbing. And unfortunately, you know, unfortunately for many of us, you know, we're, we're learning it, right? And I, and I love the fact that we're learning it. I've not arrived. I'm still learning like everybody. I'm, right, right. I'm no different than anyone. Um, but what I am discovering is that God is helping me see these areas and he is so willing to heal us and lift us and encourage us and to get us started over and over and over again because we need this grace every day. We're leaky vessels. So we need to stay up under the fountain of God every day. Yeah. That refreshing. I think some have left staying up under that fountain and have just used gifts and callings or whatever as a, as a business um, without even really seeking the Lord, you know, and that's what I loved about Jesus and his humility, you know, his humility. I mean, we're talking about the servant's humble origin was humility. Like he grew up, according to scripture before him, the Bible said like a young plant. He was always so willing to be humbled and, and we don't want to be talked about. We don't want to be you know, ostracized. We don't want nobody to point at us. And we, we want to feel a part of things. And Thank you for listening to the Legacy Leadership Alliance podcast. We invite you to continue to join us at the intersection of religion, education, and the marketplace as we provide synergy and faith toward the future. Follow us on all podcast platforms and subscribe. Contact Sean Cooper at bishopshawn at gmail.com to donate to Legacy Leadership Alliance Cash App dollar sign Bishop Sean. And remember, it is better to live by principle than to die by impulse.